So Patty, I really enjoyed having Dave Humphrey on the podcast again. It's been too long since we had him on. I love. Oh, him. he's, he's so engaging, I mean, and he has so many great insights. I, I think people are really going to uh, benefit from today's interview. You know, I, I should have kidded him about this during the interview. I forgot to, but he's he's actually the only person I know who I have a jealousy about their studio. <laughs> he has a, now I did build a new studio, but still, I don't think it's quite as good as his. He has an unbelievable studio, very much into the marketing side and the tech side of things. But uh, we talk about supporting these new solutions, point of sale, smart terminals, kind of integrated payments. Um, and then uh, I dive into talking about CC Storage, which is a vertical specific software company that I own that is monetizing payments. And I just am very transparent. And I just and I'm not looking, we don't, we're not accepting resellers right now or anything. I just tell you, here's all the failures I made along the way. Uh, here's my plans for the future with it. Here's how much money it's cost me. And I just think it's good. I think a lot of people are kind of looking at vertical specific software plays, but they don't really know what they're getting into. So we talk right. about that. Um, right. And then Patty, tell us about the insiders. Uh, a new, some new update on person-to-person uh, -person payments and, and um, you know, Visa trying to become sort of a clearinghouse of sorts uh, for these various platforms. And uh, this episode is uh, brought to you by ISOAMP. Uh, you can visit it on the web at getisoamp.com. So right. what do you say we get going into this podcast, James? Let's go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Patty and I are here today with my good friend, Dave Humphrey, who is the president at Bright. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing great, James. Good to be with you and Patty. Yeah, nice always a pleasure. You. So uh, Dave is, in my opinion, uh, running one of the best organizations in the industry at being able to service both agents and merchants in this shift towards integrated payments. And that is really quite the compliment, Dave, because this is kind of the challenge, right? I mean, this is what everybody is trying to do is like, how do we... How do we sell point of sale systems and be able to service them? How do we support the agents when they have questions about integrated payments? So we're going to dive into all that today. Before we do, Dave, I was thinking about it and I'm like, I feel like it's been a little while since you were on the podcast. So give us your story a little bit. What's your backstory and what was your journey to uh, what you're doing today? Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for the compliment, James. That's 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 uh, quite gracious coming from you. Um, so, you know, Bright started... Um, and was conceived back in 2000, end of 2016. And what we, what my partner and I recognized was that the, the presentation side, the service side, the culture of a business, you know, that being really, really important, we just felt like that was missing in the industry. And we felt like that there was a very, very large gap and I saw a pattern of buy, sell, buy, sell, you know, um, just churn and burn type of activity with our competition and ISOs. And for me personally, I didn't really have an interest in that. I had an interest in building an organization that was very, very solid, that changed our employees' lives for better, that serviced really good quality agents, and they appreciated integrity and they appreciated honesty and hard work. And... Um, and that was sort of our foundation. So we yeah. created a, a five core values based on that idea, and we created a mission. And and you know those that core the core values are on our website. Our mission is on the website. Everything that we do is hinged to that. Like it's attached to that. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't correspond with those, we don't do it. That's it. It's that it's really really simple. Um, if it if it goes outside of that integrity honesty piece. And we feel like this isn't forthright, you know, like like we're only telling half the truth or something like that. We don't do it. We just do yeah. not participate in that type of thing. So so it was in 2017 that we really started to to grab a hold of it, uh, define everything, get a plan. And we started to move forward um, and we were we were going at a pretty good clip. And I believe the last time I spoke to you, I want to say it was around COVID, if I remember right. And, um, but COVID hit us like everybody else and it was tough. You know, we went yeah. through some challenges and, um, we sort of took a year to, to get repositioned, get our feet on the ground. And, and in the meantime, what took place was, and I think COVID actually, um, at, uh, initiated some of this activity, but, you know, we saw more and more technology being required. Right. Uh, like terminals. Right. And I was just like, okay, sure. every, I think everybody can see where this is going. But here's the great part about it. Now I do, we still have agents, by the way, that they get a little frustrated because they're like, you know, I could, 
there was a day when I could put a VX 520 in and I didn't have this right. gateway fee and blah, blah. And I, I get that. Right. Totally understand. But here's the truth of the matter. What we saw evolving was is more control, uh, meaning that now where you had to log into the back end, do this, do this, call this guy, do this. We're not seeing that type of thing that often anymore. What we see is we see now the technologies that's attached to these devices that sort of to re- really started to rise up in that 2020, 2021 era. We just feel like that it's made things so much better. So what Bright did is we gravitated to that. We just grabbed right. a hold of it and we said, you know what, this is the way that the industry is going to be. There's nobody that's going to change that. So we're we're walking away from that old thing. Right. So that's a little bit about a background, um, what motivates us, how well, we you know got to where we're yeah. at now. Well, I love it because it's such a great segue to my first question because I want to touch on the sales process because, right. mm-hmm. you know, one one thing I think is so interesting is I see these companies in our industry that are like, well, we're going to tell the salespeople just keep doing whatever they're doing. And then we're going to try to support the merchant after the sale is made and, and hope for the best. And it's like, well, well, wait a minute, you know? So what are some of the challenges that you're seeing that the sales partners are facing out in the field as they try to adapt, like you just mentioned from the VX520 world to the smart terminal point of sale integrated payment world? What are the challenges that they're facing um, in, in, in that sales process? And what do you see as like, what are these important shifts that need to happen as part of the sales process in order to set yourself up to be able to service them well? Oh, that's a great question. And the answer in the short, so I'm going to give you a short form and then a little bit more detail. So the short form is, is the biggest challenge for the salespeople right now is having awareness and education on the technology they're selling because they're not selling that terminal. They're not, they're not leasing that terminal for 29 bucks or whatever. And they just drop it in, they do an install and do a download. That's not what's happening now. Right. What's happening now is is you've got ISOs and some ISOs, quite frankly, are you know sort of jack of all trade and master of none, meaning that they'll offer, right. I don't know, eighteen different fill in the blank and this, that, and the other. Right. And what happens is, is now the salesperson, they want to sell to this particular vertical, so they they say, okay, I have this quick serve POS, but then I have this quick serve POS, and I have this quick serve POS, and all of a sudden they have six POSs to offer. Now that sounds like that might be a good idea. However, remember. You're not shopping for a new car here, right? right? So you're not picking the color. What you're doing is you're technically what, and this is why it gets really messed up, I think, is you're technically trying to meet specific needs that maybe have to do with employee management or this, that, and the other. So now you've got a, a bank card salesperson that has to be experienced, educated, aware all of these you know fill in the blank and all these things with the right technology to be able to sell properly otherwise it sort of looked like you know a goofball at times or like well i I thought you said it would do this well i thought you meant it would do this then you got a pos coming back and exchange you know so i think those are some of the biggest challenges and some of the most successful salespeople that we deal with are the ones that focus on three or four types of technology associated with the verticals they're servicing, and they kill it. I mean, they do amazing. The, the guys that are all spread out and all over the place, right? Their challenges never end, and they really never conquer that problem either. By the way, yeah, no, that's that's really true. You know, you know, it kind of reminds me of David. It actually, reminds me a lot of um, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, and uh, if you, if you read mm. about that story, where I think I think they had something like forty three different. Uh, types of things that, you know, a smart pen, you know, whatever, like right. and all these different technologies. Yes. And he came iPod, in and I can't iPad. remember. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the way when you read about it, I'm sure it wasn't quite this clean and neat, but you know, the idea was there was this meeting where he drew these boxes on the board and said, we need one device for consumers, which is going to be like the MacBook Air or whatever. And then we need one device mm-hmm. for professionals, which is the MacBook Pro. And then anyway, he had like these four things and like the iPod, iPod, I think is what it was, but it was like, we have four things that we do and that's it. And he literally got rid of like these huge divisions of making other stuff and said, we, we can only be good at so many things. It sounds like that's kind of what you're saying, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and for the salespeople, remember, because you've got, you've got an agent and then sometimes that agent is managed by, you know, a sub ISO of an ISO and right. 
when you have multiple tiers and then all those challenges, it makes it really, really complicated. Right. hundred percent. So, okay. So the agents out in the field, they, they understand the solution. They're being educated, which I know you're passionate about, and then they make a sale. So the person says, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens next? What does Bright do in kind of this underwriting and approval process? What happens between yes? And then of course, eventually the equipment gets shipped out. What are you doing in your mind differently or what are you focusing on there to make sure that everything is positioned so that by the time that equipment is shipped out, you know, that there was a smooth experience and the merchants got kind of this running start. Yeah, that's great because that's exactly what we aim to do. That smooth experience, right? The running start. So everybody knows that you make money in this industry through the process and you don't make money by selling these terminals, right? So if you sell a terminal sits there for a week, you're that's, Where's the processing? When's right. it going to start? Right. So we created a department about, I think about five months ago, and an actual piece of software with it, by the way, called Touchpoint. And what Touchpoint does is there are, I uh, probably my department's going to correct me, but I think there's 17 touch points from the time that an MPA uh, merchant processing application comes in to the terminal goes out the door. And okay. what happens is it's each one of those touch points are on a list and we have a corresponding text that goes out that says, hey, to the to the agent, this has happened. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. This mm. is where it's at. And what it does is it keeps all of our departments accountable. Um, it keeps things running. So if there's a bump in the road, we know it really, really quick. And so what we've done is we have built the premise of for And I'll tell you, one of is going to sound weird. But Walt Disney World has a an amazing, an amazing online education service where you can watch all these training videos. And we watch the training video on how Disney brings in their guests and welcomes them. And yeah. we develop some of our some of our processes on that. So here's the idea. The idea is, is when they come in as a guest per se, right? A customer. Right. We want to make sure that every step of the way is as smooth, they're welcomed, they feel like they're appreciated, considered, the whole nine yards, all the way to the point to where they are processing the first day. So we have a welcome call. So we call them. Once we see that FedEx has been received, we go to the tracking them. So we have somebody employed here. All they do is track every package that goes out. When they track that package, hey, Mr. Jones, I see that you've got your terminal and uh, we'd like to get you set up. Can we do that now? Or would you like to schedule an appointment in the next day or so? And again, day or so, we don't say next week. So we can get you up, saving money and experience and bright, right? And that's what we do. Um, that process is so case critical because that first impression with that merchant is, wow, they called me, they think I'm important. They mm. value my service. And here's the other thing. When you run into a snag down the road, let's say a batch time's off and they didn't get their money and they're calling up, where's my money, right? Uh, Those type of situations can be handled much, much better if they already feel appreciated. They already feel like they're communicated with. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's part of our process. That's really cool. I really like that. And I kind of like the Disney thing. I mean, it's, it's really great when you can take like... From another industry and you know mold it to work for for you can't do better than the disney experience right? you can't so, there's yeah. not much better you than know? that you, you know you can't i mean it's an amazing experience <laughs> and most people don't understand that 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 emotion and that draw to feel welcome to feel wanted to feel appreciated that's huge yeah. and yeah, bringing that into our industry well, it's huge you know, in life you know yeah. so of course it's right. gonna be huge in selling yeah. When I think it, it's so intentional, right? It's like, right. you yeah. know, we're, we're going on, my exactly. family and I are doing our, we're doing our first Disney cruise this year. Oh, um, we've, are done, you? we've gone to Disney World a bunch of times, but we're going to do a Disney cruise in like uh, about a month or so. Uh-huh. And one of the main reasons we're doing that is because I know when I get on that Disney cruise, you know, we're happy to pay for the experience because we know that they are going to have every detail of our experience That's planned right. out. And, and it's going to work great. And make you feel like it's yeah. just for you. Yep. So you, you pay yeah. for that intentionality. I, I love that you're bringing that to the payment space. That's yeah, I really do too. That's that's really cool, Dave. So tell me, once the equipment and the software is all configured and ready to go, what do you have to do to onboard the merchant so that they activate and use the solution? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So what we do is, is when we go through that welcome call experience, when we go through the whole process of making contact with them, we always let them know that, you know, start having a better experience now. Okay, so we want to let them know that, that in, and in some cases, to be honest with you, they're ready to use the equipment because they're having a terrible experience with the with existing their- processor. Okay. So what happens is, is we take notes, we have notes within our system to where we sort of have a gauge on, you know, what's the deal with this guy? Um, is there anything we need to be aware of and that type of thing? So in our CRM, you know, we're very careful to point out any things that may be important. And I'll tell you other little things that are important, by the way. If if the sales rep is kind enough to take any notes, let's say they're a football fan of, you know, right. like me or sure, Florida Gators, it. right? Right. We bring up all those little things. The welcome call experience after this thing is shipped out and where we go next is so important to know who we're dealing with, why we're dealing with them, and and to motivate them to want to, quote, do us a favor, meaning want to get moving with us as a business partner. We we teach our people to do that. And it, and it's a it's very rewarding because what happens is, is when our welcome call staff, when the staff is doing this, and they're like, okay, I called them, I got them up and running. And what that department, by the way, is responsible for is going back into the next two days. Did they batch? Are they processing? If they're not, guess what they do? They call them right back. Hey, what's going on? You know, we had this call. Is everything okay? And, you know, and and the other thing is, is because most I hope I'm not getting ahead of you guys here. But because most of our accounts now are boarded, we have a gateway in the middle right now with our terminal. We can go to that gateway. And if something is hung up, we can call them proactively. They don't have to call us Mm -hmm. and say their money's missing. We can call them. We can push that through and help them with that problem. Let them know that we're ahead of the game. Right. 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 Very cool. Very cool. I, I really like the idea of, you know, especially because. The agent takes so much time and energy to sell the account that yes. when you know when the partner drops the ball on in, installation and so forth, I mean, yeah, demoralizing. So, you hit the nail on the head. That I want to comment really quick on that because that is a real sure. stickler with me. I tell our team it can take these agents thirty days plus to get that deal done. And it can take you 30 minutes to ruin it for them. That's right. And I don't want to be in that situation. Um, But you're right. You're exactly right. So what if you don't mind, I'd really be interested in how the ongoing support for uh, uh, point of sale systems differs from, you know, the traditional terminal merchant. And what are the pros and cons? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a loaded question, <laughs> because here's how we do it. And I tell you, this is not to be totally um, transparent. This is not a real popular stance. We do not board any POS system we cannot support. Right. And that's there's some true. agents. They just they don't like that. Right. They don't mm-hmm. they don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And I understand. But our brand and our case for being in business is so important. Our core values are so important to us that if we have a vendor stand in the way of us doing the best job we can do, we will not do business with them. That's sure. it. Yeah. So, so to answer your question in a little more detail, the common service, for example, like a, a Valor or a Deja Vu type terminal, those types of things, pretty basic. Um, I mean, Honestly, there's only so much that can go wrong before you have to do a swap on those terminals. Right. So not very complicated. Um, all of our people that come into tech, by the way, they are trained to do that. So we probably have, plus our after-hour staff, probably 18 people maybe that are trained that can service all of that equipment, probably from their cell phone if they had to. Right. So they can log in, go to the back end, piece of cake. Now, POS whole different thing because typically what happens with a POS and I hate to say this but there's not a ton of quote tech support calls what they are is they're actually how do I make this modify how do I create this modifier mm-hmm. I want to do this menu right. so you know what you have now is you have people that they're considering it a tech support call but actually 
they just need to maybe look at the manual or, or call their rep and get some training or whatever. But so we do train them and we take those calls and we fix things. But on the technical side of POS is, for example, like a hot sauce POS. So, you know, that's a local machine. That's not a cloud-based machine. Um, the versatility that you have to service that from a support standpoint, a lot different than let's say uh, Paradise POS or something like that, that has a cloud-based infrastructure, right? Um, so you've got to train your people on, hey, this is this system. Then we go through vigorous training with each provider. And that's the only way we do business with them, by the way. And, and they learn it and it takes, you know, two or three months. And once they learn it, now they can support it. So for example, Deja Pay Pro. You know, we support Deja Pay Pro. Now, they have a decent support team, so I'm not knocking them, but I'm just telling you, we want to control our own destiny when it comes to service and support. Yeah. So, yeah, POS, very, very different, very, very um, complex in some situations, a lot of time and investment. So you got to be willing to go, you know, the full way through and commit to that process. Yeah, it sounds like there needs to be a commitment on both ends. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, and the thing, the thing I really like about it, Dave, what, what I find so interesting is, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm thinking of this parallel of kind of, uh, uh, debt versus, uh, debt versus capital that's coming out of your own wallet. You know, if I'm going to go hire an employee or I'm thinking about growing and I'm going to spend my own money, I'm going to be thinking to myself, wow, do I really want to do this? You know, if I've got this kind of unlimited capital, you're kind of like, well, let's just grow. And I think what what, it kind of a parallel here, you're kind of saying, okay, well, if we're going to sell a point of sale system we got to support it in-house. And it's like, yeah, wow, do I want to sell that point of sale system? Well, I don't know. We're going to have, versus I think what a lot of companies in the industry, it's kind of like, oh yeah, sure. We'll sell your point of sale. Oh, we'll sell yours. Oh, we'll sell yours. But there's no training made for the agent. Um, they don't provide any support for it. And so they feel like they can lightly take it on. But then the result is the merchant experience as well as the agent experience is, pointing fingers and something goes wrong and the processor says, don't call us, call the point of sale system. They call the point of sale company and they say, well, don't call us, call the gateway. They call the gateway and the gateway says, don't call us, call somebody else. And it's right in this oh, round robin. And I think what you're saying yeah. is you don't want that moving forward. You want to, you no. want to control the experience for the agent and the merchant. Listen, anything that you, so there's a, it's, it's a really core principle there. Anything you wouldn't want done to you and your business, don't do to other people. Don't yeah. put them in a position have to call these guys put them on hold they call these guys and all all of a sudden 35 minutes later you find out actually you cannot solve the problem if you're in a position to do that often you're going to have a tough time scaling your business nowadays because the fact is is if you look at for example you're familiar with toast i think most people are familiar with toast toast the biggest dig against toast by the way their technology is great i love it absolutely i wish i could sell it right (laughs) but here's the bottom line they have no service, right? They have no service. Right. That is the dig again. So you got a great product with no service and they're stumbling. Right. Yeah. Wow. What a concept. How about serve people? How about treat right. people the way you want to be treated? So if you don't want to be a whole with, the, with, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's pretty cut and dry. And, and it, Dave, I don't know about you, but every time I look at their public filings, I'm always blown away by like, you're spending how much money to get these accounts I know. and you're making how much money I mean, the accounts are incredible incredibly profitable. Yeah. And then it's like, why don't you pay for a support person to talk to them? Yeah. It seems like the most no brainer decision to me, but I feel like they kind of, they feel like they're, they have people kind of locked in, I think, and almost like they don't need yeah. to provide as much support, but that's top heavy, yeah. you know, that's top heavy. So, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like that principle at all. I don't either. Okay. I got one last question for you. Very little bit, maybe off beaten path of what we were talking about. So, one of the things that I see as kind of the threat, you know, if we go back, Dave, I, to say 2020, as you were mentioning, kind of this idea of shifting from standalone terminal to maybe smart terminal and, and POS, you know, um, that was this big shift. Kind of the next big shift that I see that's already happening in this area is this really, really vertical specific focus. Because now it's like, I don't know if Toast is the biggest competitor we have or if it's the combination of the like 4,000 ISVs that exist that, you know, each serve, furniture stores and this one serves uh, dog groomers and this one serves nail salons, you know, and it's like, wow, these solutions are so specific. They have specific integrations with maybe inventory ordering or et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
And so I'm just kind of curious to hear your general thoughts on this. Where do you see this going? And are there some things maybe Bright is already doing along those lines, whether it's from a marketing perspective or product mix or whatever, just what are your thoughts on this vertical specific software trend that we're seeing in the, and, and I should mention what I, specifically companies that are monetizing payments, I should mention, right. That are vertical specific software that are monetizing payments. How do you view that from a threat a competitive perspective? Okay. That, so this, this is a podcast topic all its own for of sure. Course. Um, but I'll give you my quick assessment and answer on this. This is not going to end anytime soon, number one. Right. And the right. reason is, quite frankly, that you have a ton of people that have been uh, going to school, learning how to code. You know, the, the, so you've got the, all your, your basic, well, you know enough about coding to know, yep. you know what your basic languages are. So you've got some Python PHP experts out there and they can write this. Right. So they work for the payments guy and they work for them from home for 20 bucks an hour and they develop the application that um, is used to manage pool companies, right? Because the guy's brother-in-law right. is a pool, blah, blah, blah. And it goes from there. Right. You have a thousand people doing that every day. Okay. Yep. Yep. So now what you have is, in my opinion, is you have an overabundance right now of applications that can do this, this, and this. So these applications sooner or later are going to have to interface data and work together so everybody can make money or you're going to see a lot of people going out of business. So I do think there's going to be mm. a shift in the next two or three years where data is going to have to be siloed, shared, work together so everybody can make money. The next thing is, is anybody that's developing software right now just for licensing fees, they're crazy. Oh, I'm just telling you, I'd 100%. never do it. Never do it. If you're not monetizing payments in your development, you are going to be one poor guy. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. We've spent money, a lot of money on software development. And quite frankly, some of it we just dropped because, we, you know what, why are we going to do this? Right. Uh, because, you know, it's just not worth it. Right. We can use this application. And so the the thing is, is, is agents, here's where I think it's the industry is really going to be sort of get a get punched in the face, to be honest with you, is the agents, I think, are going to lose a lot of accounts in the future that they traditionally got a hold of because of relationships, uh, they serviced them well, but this application comes by that provides such good service, so many good opportunities that it trumps those other things. Right. And now you've got this company out of you know Idaho or, or Salt Lake, Utah or whatever, and they're servicing lawn care companies all over the United States. And they have a portfolio of 8,000 merchants. Right. And they're making on average of 20 basis points per deal plus $99 on a monthly licensing fee because they do this, scheduling this, this feedback, push right. it to Google reviews, blah, 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 Yelp, et cetera, right. et cetera. And, et cetera. And, they, and they have an integration with yep. the fertilizer company to reorder your yep. inventory. Bingo. I mean, it's, it's all that kind of stuff too, right? It's all these like, yeah. like right? those are barriers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. So the agent, you know, the agents and the ISOs really, really need to be careful on the software vendor that they're picking. They need yeah. to, they need to be careful. I mean, yeah. do not pick a guy that's all of a sudden just going to tuck, turn and run and make a deal with so-and-so payments company and all that data is in that app. And technically speaking, you can't do anything with it. Like legally speaking, you can't right. because it's not your app. It's not your data. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. So, so there's a lot of challenges. Like I said, this is a huge sort of big, big topic that needs to be broke, broken up to probably eight different categories. But that's the best short answer I think I can yeah. give you right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll we'll do a follow up episode about this yeah, one we for definitely sure. But will. but yeah, interesting. Okay, so Dave, uh, I always love talking to you. It's so fun. Uh, give us a little <laughs> more insight on Bright. So for those that listened and said, "Hey, that sounds kind of interesting. I want to learn more about Bright. Maybe they're an agent. Maybe they're an ISO. Where would you send them to learn more?" Yeah, well, you can just go to brightps.com, uh, send us a message. We're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Stephen Morris, which I think you know, Stephen. Yeah, we just had um, him on the podcast not too long ago, too. Oh, yeah. okay. That, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Bad. Uh, yep. Stephen Morris, um, you know, he, he is our business development manager nationally. Great friend. Love the guy. Um, super fantastic. You can call Stephen and he can give you all the details. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not a, God, I hate to even say it like this, but I'll, I will. We're probably not highly competitive in the recruiting circles. And what I mean is, that I think we got a we got a fair schedule A, and we got all. The, 
And the reason is, is we we emphasize a lot on on helping agents brand and 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 push their brand out there and grow their businesses and and coach them and scale and and then our service side. So we just don't. You're not, you you're just not don't, look, you're not looking for everybody that's got a pulse. Yeah, yeah. You you will not see your inbox full of invites and your cell phone blowing up and text messages from our company is that's just not us. So we are who we are. But you know, contact Stephen Morris is the best way to get a hold of us. Um and and you know, we've had several people call. In fact, I had last last week alone, I had two people call. They really wanted to deal with us. We just couldn't be. We couldn't give them what they needed as far as the the uh, the revenue share. We couldn't do it, right. and it's okay. But we had great conversations. You're know, like, man, you know, it's good to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. And and we just moved on. Yeah, um, right. So at, yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day, providing the level of support and service that you provide is expensive. And yes, you it is. Gotta, and you guys got to make sure you're making money. And so I think right. I think it's another big thing, Dave. And again, it's like we have, we we came up with like three podcast topics today, right? But um, but I think the other thing is too the expectation of the agents. I think I think there's a lot of agents that see the writing on the wall, and they're like, okay, wait a minute, I got to embrace integrated payments. I got to provide this incredible experience to my merchant, and I still want my ninety five percent split. <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, no, not gonna happen. No, here. not not unless <laughs> not unless you're gonna hire the support people to, to yeah, you know what I mean. Like, right. no, what what is the other partner gonna get in exchange for providing all the support? So I think that's a whole other other topic. Yeah. But, Give us yeah. that website. Hey, let me uh, just, yeah, go ahead. if I don't, it, it, is it uh, just for folks who are listening and not watching? Uh, Dave's wearing his company t-shirt, but it's B-R-Y-T-E-P-S.com. Yeah. yeah. Just there wanted you. to make sure everybody got that address correct. Thank awesome. you so much for that. Yeah. Well, Dave, thank you so much for taking your time today. Really appreciate it. And I uh, wish you well, my friend. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Take care, uh, guys. Bye-bye. You too. So, Patty, today, uh, of course, this episode is brought to you by ISOAMP, which is a company I own and uh, I'm very proud of. I actually just got back from a lunch uh, with all of our employees, including the ISOAMP employees that are local. So that was kind of fun. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I think we had about 20 of us there and it was a lot of fun. So um, anyway, ISOAMP is the leader in full service statement analysis. But I want to talk today about APIs, marketing, and kind of more of the automation piece of building this out. And so what I want to talk about, first of all, is a solid foundation. So before you can really build out any of this stuff and say, oh, we're going to do this marketing campaign to generate, to, to pull in statements, or we're going to use the API to integrate with our CRM or whatever. Here's the issue with that, okay? If when you upload a statement, it's not going to get done, <laughs> then everything you build on top of that is going to be incredibly complex. Like sure. what happens if a customer uploads a statement and it actually doesn't get analyzed? That's a problem. So the first thing that we have at our company, what we talk about a lot is this idea of 100% coverage. So we do have instant analysis, meaning you upload a statement, it is instantly done and no human touches it. However, because of all the validation rules and how careful we are about accuracy, that percentage is still relatively small. But here's what's interesting about it, Patty. Of the statements that are not fully automated right now with ISOAMP, the average turnaround time last week was, are you ready? Nine minutes. Holy moly, because the last time we spoke, it was 11 minutes, and yeah. that was only a week or two ago. It was, uh, yeah, two months ago, I think. But yeah, we're oh, down. From, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're down. We're, we're dropping like a minute a month. You know? uh, time time so. flies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so nine minutes is the average turnaround time for, for ones that are not fully automated. So, but here's the cool thing about it is it's 100%. So you know that whatever automation you build on top of that in terms of marketing campaigns right. and allowing the customer to upload a statement or you have your CRM, Every dot, every statement that gets uploaded is going to be analyzed completely. And if there's data entry work involved or matching work involved, our employees do that for you, right? But once you have that foundation, it is cool to be able to build some automations on top of that with the sales process. And so let me give you a couple of really quick hits on this of things that we have, and then you can reach out to go to getiswamp.com to learn more. So number one is we have marketing campaigns. A marketing campaign, very simply, it is a link or an embed code Right to a very simple set of web forms that allow the customer to enter some basic information. You control what information you want them to enter and then upload a statement or they can even get an instant estimate. So you can choose which path you want and then they upload their statement and that creates a lead for you. And then either instantly or within nine or 10 minutes, you're going to get an email back that says, not only do you have this lead, but it's done. And the analysis has been completed and now it's up to you to follow up with that client and you could build other automations via Zapier or whatever you want, okay? That's one option. 
Second option is fully custom marketing campaigns. Right. This is where within our system, we will host your own custom web pages. Your developers can build an HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which is pretty crazy. And you can leverage our smart fields to build out your form and make your own marketing campaign. So if you're going to spend $50,000 on a Facebook campaign for merchant services, why not include in that flow right. the idea of downloading a statement, right? Sure. So we have that. That has some limitations as far as how many pages and all of that. Next, we have the API. Well, with the API, you can do anything you want. Build your own landing pages. Build your own marketing flow. Build your own Zapier uh, you know, automation. Tie in our webhooks and everything from our um, API and just send the statement to us. We'll send it back. We'll give you all the data when we send it back. You can do whatever you want if you have a CRM and you want to integrate with it. So we have all of that. So basically, if there's anything that you want to do from an automation side, we do it. But this is the thing. We don't just allow you to build this automation. You can build this automation with the confidence that every statement that comes through, whatever this flow is, it will be accurately analyzed and completed. And then it will come back to you either instantly or within nine or 10 minutes. That is, that is how you want to build your automation flows. And that is like so way cool. Yeah. So I'm very proud of the company. Again, I own the company. um, And so I'm super proud of it. And you can head over to get isoamp.com g-e-t-i-s-o-a-m-p.com click on get a demo somebody from my team will follow up with you this is questions from the field brought to you by ccsalespro.com the leader in merchant sales training and technology if you are an individual merchant sales professional visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So, Patty, today in Questions from the Field, I wanted to answer one of my favorite questions ever, actually, in the Facebook group, uh, CC Sales Pro Community. Um, And I won't quote it exactly, but there was a guy in the Facebook group a couple of days ago that asked and said... I keep hearing about something like, I keep hearing about vertical specific software companies that monetize payments. Is it hard to start one of those? (laughs) (laughs) And so there was some comical comments under there like, yeah, you know. Um, But I I actually typed out a comment to him, which he responded to. And and, um, I realized, I was like, you know what? I've never really talked about it. And I thought I have one of these companies and, you know, CC storage for self-storage management. And I thought, you know, let me just actually be really, really transparent. And maybe I'm going to be more transparent than I should be here. But I'm just going to tell you what it's like to start one of these companies. I think that's a great idea. I don't know. I thought it might be fun. So um, first of all, let me be really clear about something. We are not accepting resellers right now. We have our own inside sales team. And so I'm just sharing this for your benefit to understand how you could start one of these companies. Down the road, we are going to look to the ISO um, agent channel, but we have not done that yet. So please don't, this is not me trying to promote this company for you to reach out and say you want to sell it because you can't. So let me just say that first. All right. So, um, so here's what we have. Okay. So we want to go after self-storage properties. All right. We identified that as number one, an underserved niche. So let me explain something. If you want to build a vertical specific software company, you do not want to go after a well-established niche because if you say, I'm going to build a restaurant point of sale system. Okay. Well, now you're going to compete with Toast. You're going to be competing with all these other companies, right? Lavu, um, Quantic, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that have these massive feature sets And the expectation of a restaurant owner of their point of sale system is very high because most restaurants do have a point of sale system and they are using advanced features. Right. Okay. So why do we pick self-storage properties? Because it is the exact opposite. A vast, like there's a huge percentage of self-storage property owners who are using a square reader and they're manually keying in the credit card number every month to process the payments, literally, like it's that bad. Right. Now there are big software competitors, but we realize there's a niche here And when we looked at the feature set, we're like, you know what? We can build this. You know, this is realistic um, and we can build this particular feature set. Okay, so what we did was four years ago. So again, I'm just going to be really transparent. I'm going to share my failures today as well as my successes. Okay, so four years ago, I spent about $60,000 in development cost to build a very kind of bare bones app with the idea that we were going to go serve these business owners who currently had no software. 
So we were going to take them from no software to some software. And we're gonna, yeah. And we're going to give the software away for free. They had a customer portal so they could send an email invite out. Their customers could log in and use it and make payments. Um, it was a total failure. So we, I paid the 60,000. I had one full-time employee who was selling it. I had another full-time telemarketer who was calling to generate appointments for my salesperson. Um, and so we were spending maybe 12,000 a month, I would imagine outside development costs in terms of trying to scale it up. We did a little bit of advertising through, um, Captera. And, um, what we found was there was two groups of self-storage property owners. There was the ones who had no software at all, and they were not ready to pay for software at all, which ours was free. Which, which is why okay. I didn't have any software. But Probably. they also weren't, weren't willing to pay for credit card processing fees because they were taking Ooh. checks. Mm. And we were like, oh, and this is before dual pricing and all that was a big thing and cash discounting right. thing. So, you know, it was like we sold maybe 20 customers, you know, and these are small that are using it. And we're making, you know, $30 or $40 a month residual. They got 50 to 100 units or something. Um, and so it was like, wow, this is not going to go anywhere. So I shut it down. That's four years ago. Okay. Six months ago, um, after COVID, probably about a year ago, we started talking about it. But about six months ago, we were like, wait a second, dual pricing, right? Now, what you know, and, and with us, it's it's card and ACH, right? Not right. cash. And we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can go to market now and say it's free. No software fees, no payment processing fees, nothing. And we're going to make like 200 basis points of margin because they run a lot of regulated debit and it's like a $100 average ticket, <clears throat> right? Right. So, um, so we're like, okay, cool, we can do this. So... My lead developer jumped in and he spent uh, 30% of his time. And a, and a developer on average is going to make $175,000 a year, $200,000 a year. So that gives you some context. He spent about 30% of his time for like you know, four months, probably. Um, rebuilding one of my, I have a designer, graphic designer, UI person who redid the user experience and built it up to the point where we thought, now we have a bare bones thing that actually works. So we're like, this is cool. All right. So we roll it all again. This time we spend, you know, uh, maybe 20,000 a month on marketing and everything else. And uh, once again, a little bit of a false start. Reason this time is because we were thinking in terms of four years ago. Well, now it turns out most of those people actually did get some kind of software. Oh, and okay. they were all expecting things like a really nice sitemap, um, gate integrations, uh, really advanced kind of more a bigger like reporting dashboard or whatever. And we were much more successful this time. We sold a lot more people and we do have a pretty good sized portfolio. But I realized, wait a second, we're spending this money on marketing, but we're only able to sell like 20% of the people who are interested because the other 80% need a feature that we don't have. Right. Right. So last Monday, a new senior developer, I hired a new developer just for this project and decided to go all in with it. So we had enough positive feedback that we're like, okay, we can do this. Right. So I hired two people. Um, this last week, both of them very highly paid individuals. One is I hired a lead developer for the project that's now we have a full feature. So now that we we went to market, it cost us a lot of money. We spent probably another $100,000 on this business. But what we got from that was not very many, I mean, we've got a lot of customers, but not enough profit to really make sense. You know, we'll break even in like five years or something. But instead, what we got out of it was we got this list of features where we now know exactly what exactly. we need to build. Right. to go upstream with it and go to some slightly larger properties sure. and make more money and all that. So I hired a lead developer for the project and I hired a CEO of CC Storage oh. um, who is going to become much more the self-storage expert and and really like dig into the features, talk to the customers. And then I have one other full-time employee who is a um, uh, doing um, customer service, knows the current software. So we already do have a lot of customers so, that, so he's supporting those customers. Right, right. So when you put all that together, we're going to spend about 40, I think it's 42 to $48,000 a month on this business from now. Uh, we're recording this in, what is this, April, May, June, July, August, probably around September. We're going to roll it out again and we're going to put- with the 20, updated features. With the updated features. And we'll put $20,000, $30,000 behind it as far as marketing. And then hopefully around January 1st, 2024, we'll roll it out to the ISO agent uh, community as well. Uh Right, but we're doing all the payments. We integrated through Tilled, which is one of my uh, sponsors, advertisers, consulting clients. So we integrated through Tilled. So we're doing our own payment processing. We have our own PayFact-like experience, instant sign up. We already have all of that, but we decided we got to build out these features. So all that to say, 
What I have found with my experience with this particular vertical specific software is I made a lot of mistakes. Maybe you will do better, okay? But um, I'm pretty good at this <laughs> and I still made a lot of mistakes. And this one's gonna cost me something like $350,000 to get it to what I would consider an actual legitimate launch. Yeah. Um, then after that investment, it's gonna cost me you know, 50,000 a month in payroll because we'll have to hire more support and still have the developer and all that. Plus we're going to spend maybe 20,000 a month on marketing, uh, online marketing lead generation, telemarketers, all that kind of thing. So 20, 30,000 a month there. So our investment's going to be, it's going to scale up to probably 70, $80,000 a month that I'm going to put into the business that I'm going to absolutely lose every penny of. Um, and then it'll take us from that point uh, about 14 to 16 months of that investment before we break even, meaning we're positive cash flow where our residuals are greater than our investment. Um, wow. So that's like almost uh, five years. Uh, well, I mean, sort of. Really, we spent about six months on it the first time. Then we stopped for three and a half years. Then we spent six months on it again. And now we're going to spend like a year, right? Okay. Or, or okay. Six, I guess we're going to spend another, uh, what, eight months. So overall, maybe two years of total time investment before I feel like we got to like a really official launch. But I think the key takeaways from it would be, um, number one, it is expensive. I mean, it's going to cost even for this is an easy niche, really, to right, build. Right. And I would say half a million dollars um, to get to a point where you're starting to bring in some good residual is a reasonable amount of investment. Um, now, you can do a, just a one feature thing. You, know, you might have a, a solution that just does like one thing for a vertical, and you could maybe build that for 150000 But I think half a million is kind of what I found is the minimum. I mean, I swam costing me about $2 million before we got to where we were generating significant revenue there. Um, right. But I would say uh, CC storage, half a million. Um, and if you were trying to do something in a more complex vertical, think about more maybe a million to two million um, in developer costs and other things. And the other big takeaway is it's an iterative process. So you're not, you don't want to try to build the entire solution before you go to market. Yes. You, you got right. to build a little bit and then you got to go to market a little bit. Then you got mm -hmm. to build a little bit. Then you got to go to market a little bit because you're not going to know exactly what you need to build um, until you've got some real customer feedback. And they're going to bring things up that you just frankly didn't think of. Um, and I think one of the other things I will say that I would definitely have done in retrospect is I don't really know that much about self-storage. You know, right. um, we, we did a market analysis and figured out it was a good market. But now I'm going to have a CEO of the company. I would have much rather brought that person in a lot sooner to say, hey, we need somebody that actually knows something about self-storage. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. It seems like that's obvious, but in hindsight, I thought, oh, I know plenty enough about this to build software for it. Uh, no, not really. Um, right. we, we had to, it cost a lot of money for us to figure that out. So I think you could definitely cut that short by making sure either you're an expert in that vertical or you hire somebody else uh, who is. So that's it. Just thought I would share my thoughts on building vertical-specific software solutions. I'm building one. It's been very expensive and it's been actually a lot of fun. And I know that, Long term, it's going to be worth millions of dollars. So, I mean, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer um, because, again, we're doing the payments in-house for this. And so right. we're going to make a fortune on it. So It's I, a no-brainer. And you also have capital from your other businesses that allows you to do right. this. I don't have to, we don't have to borrow. We don't have to have investors right. or whatever. This is all just me putting the money in. So that makes it a lot more fun. <laughs> but right. also a lot more painful in some ways, too, because it's like, oh, crap, I'm spending this money. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time to be in payments. And I think vertical-specific software is uh, an area of focus for sure. Great. Thanks, James. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Well, you know, James, P2P payments are very popular. Yes. And getting more and more popular. You know, a survey last year by the Pew Research Center revealed that 76% of adult Americans have used at least one of the various platforms, with PayPal being the most popular, used by about 57% of Americans. Yeah. But the lack of, of interoperability has always been a buzzkill. You know, if you want to send money to a friend, you both have to be registered on the same platform. You know, for me, it means I've registered on all the platforms, which, you know, the recipient also needs to provide you with their email or their or their mobile phone number, which some people can be, you know, a little bit leery of. But the, uh, a survey by the U.S. Faster Payments Council did find that interoperability is one of the most important topics in payments today. 
92% of, of, of bankers and corporate execs said that they consider it the most important issue. Um, so Visa has developed a new service. It's called Visa Plus that makes it possible to send payments seamlessly across platforms without requiring the exchange of personally identified information. Hmm. Uh, plans to begin testing the service later this year with PayPal and Venmo. Now, even though PayPal owns Venmo, you can't pay a Venmo account through PayPal and vice versa. Right. So with this new solution, no cards required. Instead, users create personalized payment addresses that are linked to their PayPal or Venmo accounts. And then folks using either app will be able to receive and send payments quickly and securely between platforms. Cool. Future partners include Daily Pay, which is a payroll services service that specializes in earned wage access. Uh, I2C, which I'm, I'm, I was totally unfamiliar with. Yeah, yeah, I did some research. Best I could figure out is they're a um, open banking company that supports card-based payments. Okay. And then Western Union is also on the list. Sure. Uh, not mentioned in Visa's press release were uh, the platforms Zelle, which is bank-owned, and used by about 36% of Americans, according to Pew's research, and Cash App, which, of course, is owned by Block, and it's used by about a quarter of Americans. Hmm. But analyses I've read suggest that those will be added once, you know, the new payment rail is established. Hmm. Uh, but I think this is really interesting because, you know, there's been a lot of focus on, on P2P, you know, um, early warning, uh, which owns Zelle, is also starting a, a new P2P network. Um, I think with the Fed now coming into um, into right. focus right. and RTP already up and running and supporting P2P uh, with more real-time settlement solutions, I think we're going to see some real um, uptake on this uh, probably beginning next year. Good stuff, Patty. Well, definitely keep us in the loop on that one. It's uh, definitely a prevalent trend. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.